I decided to have an almost mid-year fiscal review today with myself and with you, and I want to talk about a good problem to cultivate. Coming up next. Hey, before we start our episode, always remember if you don't want to be broke at 40 like I was, or if you are broke at 40, stay tuned on a weekly basis where I explore the basics of personal finance and more importantly, the behaviors that can bring you from broke to brilliance, whatever you think brilliance may be. And as always, this podcast is for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult with a financial advisor if necessary. My name is Evan Thomas, and this is the Broke at 40 podcast. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining me on today's episode of the Broke at 40 podcast. It's August 7th. Real early in the morning, I got up at 5 a.m. today, and it's now 7 a.m. today, where I'm looking at my numbers and wanted to share with you an almost mid-year fiscal review. And I want to raise up 40,000 feet and look down over the course of these past many months in the year of 2022, because I am preparing, as I may have shared with you previously, an appointment with Vanguard Advisory Services tomorrow, Monday, August 8th, at 1 p.m. Eastern, not that you care, um, to talk to my financial advisor about what kind of changes would I maybe want to make as we go forward throughout this year. You know, before I get started, I also, as you know, like to talk about the S&P 500. And have you guys been hearing kind of the the rumblings of what people are talking about as it relates to this market that we're in, this fiscal environment or, or this environment this year? It's a little bit crazy, you know? I mean, as you know, I've been preparing for a recession and most of us have been preparing for a recession, and you just never know what's going to happen. And so lately, I've been hearing that some people are predicting that the S&P 500 by December of this year, by the end of this calendar year, could go up to 4,400. And so I thought I would start today's episode by going online and Googling, like I do a lot, the performance of the S&P 500 over time. And I wrote down some numbers here. And approximately December of last year, the S&P 500 was at the all-time high of around 46.74. So I'll circle back to my numbers from when I began my calendar year. And I shared with you what my numbers were and where I forecasted to be uh, you know, approximately at the end of 2022. Um, And I'll do that here in just a little while when I raise up 40,000 feet and look down. But so, as we know, the market was doing really well still in December, 46.74. Well, eight months later now, it's at 38.31, but that still, as you know, wasn't the lowest. Oh, I'm sorry, that was the lowest. Um, Yeah, July 38.31. but it's creeped back up just a little bit till now, about 41.45. So we've gone up quite a bit. As you know, the market has rallied in the past 30 days. So as as you know, as I've been sharing with all of my listeners, I'm getting close to maybe thinking about early retirement. And so my strategy 
this year, as you may recall, was to really stop a lot of my investing into my Roth IRA, my 401k, except for the 6% to get the company match. And I'm hoarding cash for opportunities when the market's down. Now, you know, we cannot time the market. Should I have popped in some money into my Roth IRA, perhaps the full amount of 7,000 per year, because I can do catch up contributions? You know, just a little while ago when the market was at 3831, of course, but I didn't know it was going to rally up to 4145. And now they're saying perhaps some people feel that by December it could get to 4400, which is still a couple hundred or more under the all time high of back in December when it was 4674. Okay, so all that to say, we never know where the market is going. Um, even when I talk to my advisor tomorrow, it's all going to be speculation and I'll have to make some decisions about maybe popping some money into the market. Like I mentioned, my Roth IRA, I probably will do that. I'll probably leverage and take advantage of the market while it's down right now. And rather than, as you guys know, over the past 15 years, I've been dollar cost averaging in to my Roth IRA every single month, which why would I which I would encourage all of you to do if you're in your 40s and you're broke and you're building your wealth. Don't time the market. Okay, we don't have to go there. You know that, right? <laughs> and I know that. But you get to a point in your financial journey where you could get to a place where you're thinking about early retirement. If you get your money up, the engine you're building, that's the position you want to cultivate, which is part of today's episode, where then you can make some decisions like I have done where I stopped contributing and I'm on like this coast fire journey where I'm building all of this cash. But here's where I'm going with this discussion, as I'll talk more about in a little while, is that I do not know what my retirement date is going to be. I'm going to talk to my advisor about it tomorrow, as I've shared with you, and you guys might be feeling the same way in your career. And again, you might be still on your journey of building wealth like I was over 15 years. But if things get better in your career and you are happier, which I have become because of changes that happen with my company and such, the fact that I'm not traveling and, you know, I'm just, I'm very, I'm a lot more content. Yes, I have busy days. Yes, I have days where I think I'm overwhelmed, but it's not to the extent of what it was a couple years ago. So with that being said, would I truly want to give up a great income from a job where I have it made right now? So that's what I'm struggling with, but it's a good problem to have. And I want to make sure everybody understands that, that I know I've positioned myself, I've cultivated this environment, and you guys can do the same. As you build wealth, you are in charge of your financial destiny. You are cultivating and building wealth. It's up to you. And when you get to a point where you have money in these investment accounts, you can start to think a little bit differently. You're no longer living, as you know, paycheck to paycheck. You're creating your own financial destiny that has options within it. So what I'd like to do now, I know I'm rambling a bit. Um, I wanted to do two things today, really, is talk about first my, my fiscal year budget. For all of you that are new to the Broke at 40 podcast, I would highly encourage you to go back to my episode number four, 
which I published May 10th of 2020, where I talk about building a budget, building your vision on paper, on a spreadsheet, electronically, for the entire year. Some of you may be trying to get through the month. I get that. But broaden your horizon, your picture of your finances to one year. You have to be able to look at the entire year and forecast money in and money out. What is the main goal of why you're building your vision on your <clears throat> spreadsheet for the entire year? Is because you need to know exactly where you are in your financial journey. There are two places you could be. Number one, you could be just surviving. Surviving means you have money coming in and all of it goes to your expenses. Maybe a little bit for fun, but you have no ability, just like I had no ability to get your savings rate up or yeah, your savings rate to, to put money into an emergency fund, into a savings account. And you're not even thinking about investing at this point. Maybe you're putting a little bit into your 401k like I was for years, 3%, 2%, whatever it was. But I wasn't thinking in terms of that wealth building tool of my investments. So that's number one. You could be just surviving. If so, great. I was there for a couple decades almost. Um, number two, you could be in the thriving mode. Thriving mode means great. You have expenses. You can pay those. But now with each subsequent year, as long as you have a job and income is coming in and you make the right choices and your income is always going up a little bit, you have the ability then to save and invest. You're now thriving and you're going to thrive each subsequent year going forward unless something happens. Hopefully that won't. But if you lose your job, you might have to backtrack a little bit. I got fortunate. Most of my career issues were when I was in my 20s and my 30s. By the time I got to 40, I landed a good company. I would encourage you all to land a good company if you don't have one. And then you can leverage those opportunities as they come and make sure that you don't increase your lifestyle, but you keep it where it is in terms of how you were surviving for so many years. And then you let that money build so that creates the engine that you want to create. Okay, so that is what I talk about in the Build a Budget episode. Again, May 10th of 2020, scroll down, you'll see it. Put your earbuds in, go for a walk and listen to that episode. If you're struggling with just the financial part of the year, your money in and money out. Now, so looking at my fiscal year, remember guys, I talk to you all the time about my fiscal year. It starts in March, ends in February. So we're almost to that mid-year point where I can look at my numbers and I start thinking about what do I need to move around? And, and you guys know, I've shared with you in a previous episode where <clears throat> this year, because of inflation, my food budget got out of whack. But I also shared with you that I was on this journey of becoming like a hunter and a gatherer and I wanted to walk to the grocery store, which I still do, not always. <clears throat> and I was really good about keeping it at 40 bucks, no, 80 bucks a week, two different walking trips, takes eight minutes to get there, eight minutes back, got my steps in. So I'm blending fitness with finance. And I was doing really well spending just the 80 a week until all of a sudden I lost too much weight. <laughs> I shared that with you. I have a tendency to lean out a little bit too much. And so I was losing this weight and I thought, uh oh. <clears throat> so I started increasing the protein shakes and increasing the things that could, 
you know, keep my weight up and all that kind of stuff with fitness that I talked about last week. So the ultimate um, bad thing, I guess we could say about my fiscal year budget is that I'm $800 over, I think I shared with you, in that budget. So I need to offset. And what I did was I pulled money from my fund budget because you always have enough liquidity in those numbers in your Excel document to pull money from when you need it, which is great. And so I leveraged that opportunity from fund money and put it there. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm still netting to zero. Are you following me? So now I'm trying to get back on track of the 80 a week and see if I can do that. So these are, these are the games you play with yourself as you go throughout the year. You've got to do this. If you don't, then you're out of whack and you end the year and you've spent way too much and you can't save and invest. That's part of the journey, guys. It's hard. It's not easy to do these kinds of things. It's not easy to talk to yourself the way I'm talking to myself and you right now about your spreadsheet and being honest and knowing that you've made mistakes. But you can correct those mistakes as long as you have enough money going on where you can move it around. So that's the first thing I wanted to share with you. I'm back on track. I pulled money from fun. I have the money there now, and I'm going to try to get back on track. Now, at the same time, one thing I did this morning, I got up early. I would encourage you guys to do the same once a week. Get up early. Look at your numbers before the kids are even out of bed. <laughs> um, train yourself to do this once a week. I'm sharing with you as I'm discovering things in my budget. And so I, I wanted this to be as real as possible as I talk through it. One thing I did just a few minutes ago in my fund budget, I had allocated $1,300 within there, hoping to be able to use that for the second half of the windows that I got for my condo. Remember I told you I got new windows or I'm getting them in a couple of weeks, but I had to pay $1,300 down, which was half of it. I put it on my MasterCard, 0% through Capital One, which I'm going to pay off, which I don't normally do that, but I did the 0%. By the way, I never got that Chase card I told you about. Yeah, decided not to because they would charge a fee for a balance transfer. I was like, uh-uh, not going to do that. So I put that original 1300 on the MasterCard. I have the money set aside in Alley because you can allocate funds for other things, as you know, in your savings account. But I had this other 1300 in the fund budget, which, you know, I took money to pop it into the food budget. So I was looking at my spreadsheet and I'm like, well, wait a minute, how am I going to take, I want the 1300 to free that up for fun because I can't get through the next seven months spending X amount of dollars. I knew I had to beef that up a little bit, especially because I'm doing more now after the pandemic is kind of slowing down. So I'm spending more for experiences over these next seven months. That's a personal goal that I have. You don't want to be so tight with your money that you don't spend on experiences, in my opinion. You know, I don't like a lot of material things, but I do want to spend money on experiences. So I knew I had a little issue. I'm like, okay, looking at my spreadsheet, it's netting to zero, but I was like, I've got that 1300 in the fund budget, but taking that away from the money that I had of 1633 to last me the rest of this year, well, I, I break it down into two things. It's kind of complex. I have my $40 per week. Remember, go back and listen to my build a budget. You have a line item for the 40 a week, knowing that that's the minimum. But then I have the other fun, two different line items. The total right now, if I look at it, is $26.93 to get me through the rest of this fiscal year. $27.93 divided by seven months is approximately $399 per uh, 
month. Yeah. Okay. So, but I had to um, reallocate the 1300 because I needed to move it to my fund money that's being set aside to go into my alley savings account to build. I call it fund, but really it's remember the money that I'm building, the cash reserves to get to a point where my ally savings account, which by the way, is paying 1.4%, as you know, it might even go up as we go throughout the year because I'm building the cash reserves if I decide to quit my job. Hence the issue that I have because I don't know when I'm quitting my job, which means I don't want to hoard too much cash because I'm not keeping up with inflation. So if I extend my retirement date by a couple more years, then I really don't need that much cash. Okay, so I'll get to that in just a moment. But the first thing I did in my fiscal budget is I moved the 1300 and popped it into the cash bucket that I'm saving to pay for the second half of the windows, which I freed up money in my fund budget. Okay, so you guys can do that. As you go throughout the fiscal year, you have to think creatively and move money around based on what's going on in the year as you go through it. Remember, the goal of the Build a Budget spreadsheet is you're seeing your vision. You're spending the money on paper first. Then you spend it. Then you take the money out of the budget. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm feeling good about the rest, the next seven months of this year in that I'm continuing to build the cash. And, you know, the good thing about the cash reserves, if you're doing something like this or something similar, and again, if you're building your wealth, I would encourage you to do dollar cost averaging into the market to your retirement accounts, to your Roth IRA. Every single month, max those out dollar amount wise, which I did for years. <clears throat> but then again, you get to a point where you have this extra money going on. You built the wealth and the engine that you have. I'm still, you know, trying to get that up a little bit. And I'll talk about that in just a moment. But you have these you know, when you're younger and you're building the wealth, you've got to dollar cost average in. Don't time the market. Okay. So yeah, do what I say. Don't do what I, wait, do what I say. Don't do as I do. Only do as I do. If you're getting to a point where you're early, you're nearing your retirement date. So back to that conversation of the cash. I do struggle with that because I don't want too much cash, but I know I would have to have a few years set aside in cash. If I quit my job and we go into a recession, I don't want to sell those shares. So that's where I'm at. And that's what I need to talk to my advisor about tomorrow. And I will say that as I'm thinking through my meeting with him tomorrow is that I can see two opportunities that I wanted to share with you based on what I just said about the S&P 500. If we are, as you know, still down on the S&P 500. It might be a good opportunity for me now to take $7,000 out of my Ally Savings account and maybe just purchase the shares all at once in a lump sum into my Roth IRA. That might be a good strategy. I don't know that I would want a dollar cost average in over the next seven months, dollar cost average in over the next seven months if some of these strategic people are saying if the S&P 500 is going to go up to 4,400, I might as well buy the shares now. But, you know, whatever I decide, it's only $7,000, right? It's not that big of a chunk of change in this whole journey that I'm on. You know, 15 years ago, I had no money. So keep that into perspective. But that's one opportunity of something I could do, which might make me feel better. 
about leveraging the opportunity in the market. Number two, I've talked to you recently about I-bonds through the government. I've been hearing about that quite a bit lately, so I can only pop 10,000 in, maybe 10,000 next year. I think it's paying like 9% or something, kind of ridiculous. So I'll probably do that. What's that? 17 grand. You know, let's round it up to 20. Maybe I pop $20,000 of the $94,000 that I have sitting in cash right now. Let me double check. Yeah, it's like 94,000 in my Ally Savings account. Remember, because if I did quit my job at the end of this year, I would have approximately two and a half years of cash setting on the side for expenses. But as you know, I may continue to work. I'm pretty happy with my job. So those are things I'm going to talk to my advisor about tomorrow. So yeah, it would only be, let's say 20 grand I pop into the market. That would bring the cash down to 75,000 or whatever, somewhere in there. And as you know, I'm still building the cash in this fiscal year. One other thing before we switch gears and raise 40,000 feet and look down over a bigger horizon is I wanted to share with you, this is one of the only years in my whole journey that I've done something just a little bit crazy, which is number one was that 0% MasterCard that I have. I am doing that because I've shared with you in previous episodes, I have discipline. I'm not going to go spend a bunch of money on something that I shouldn't. And so when you think about it, if, if, I, if I've got the 10 grand, maybe 15 at the, by the end of this year, sitting on that MasterCard, 0%, pretty cool. I'm putting the cash in my Ally Savings account and earning interest. Pretty darn good deal. And then pay it off all at once in February when that collapses and it's no longer at 0%. Um, that's one thing I've never done. I'll probably not continue that strategy going forward, but I leveraged it this year. The other thing I wanted to say before we pause and go into part two of this episode is I've never pre-spent money in my budget from my bonus check that I forecast in November. Let me explain what I mean by that. In my build a budget, I have, you know, as you know, in column O, the money in that I forecast from my paycheck, from um, a tax return. Sometimes I pop that in as an afterthought, but you know, I've got money coming in plus a bonus that I've been getting over the past 24 years that I've been with my company, except for one year, they didn't give us a bonus. I think that was after 9-11. So I'm always putting this money that I forecast pretty low, by the way. You know, I always lowball it quite a bit. It's usually around a $10,000 bonus or so gross, but then of course taxes on that 31% or so. So in this fiscal year, I did lower it a little bit to $6,275, $6,275. And I'm forecasting as a bonus net in November is when we get paid after our fiscal year ends in September for my company that I'm with. Um, am I a little bit scared of that? I don't know. Maybe because, you know, I've talked to them a little bit about early retirement. And so I've never done that before. Um, so I, I still have that. But what I, what I did was... Um, you know, when you when I'm thinking about all the money going into my alley savings account, the reason why I did this is because I have so much liquidity in my budget that I've never had before. All this cash, because I reduced, as you know, I'm not putting 27% into my 401k. I'm putting 6%, right? I brought money back into my budget. I'm sorry, into my paycheck 
that I'm putting into my Ali savings account, which is giving me so many options. So even if I don't get the 6275 bonus, if it was zero for whatever reason, which is unlikely, I still have the cash in order to make my budget work. That's why I did that. But I did pre-spend it, you know? And so it's almost like on paper now, if I do get the 6275, that's pretty much paying for a, a portion of that MasterCard that I have on there now and the future of the 1300 I still owe, owe on my windows once they're installed, I've pre-spent that. I've never done that before. So I would encourage you guys not to do things like that. Never look at your budget when you're building it as money that may come in that you're wishing and hoping and praying for. Um, but since you've, I've had so many years where I did have a bonus, I felt comfortable always putting that in. And in fact, I always low-bought it, and so it was always a little bit higher as a net than what I forecasted, which was great, because then I would go back and rework those numbers and take that money and then put it into my investments or savings. I would never spend it. I would put it back in. So let's switch gears now and go into part two of today's episode, where I take a look at the numbers from a bigger picture perspective of what's going on so far in calendar year of 2022. So switching gears now and taking a look at my calendar year of 2022. And by the way, guys, you can do this for yourself as well, no matter where you are in your financial journey. Here we are coming up on, you know, August. We're in August now, August 7th. And I, I want all of you, you know, to look at your numbers. Hopefully you record things like I do every year where you're building your, your wealth over time. And, you know, maybe in January or at the end of December, you look at all these numbers and you record what you had and what you forecast into the future. And then you backtrack into it. That's a fun thing to do. I know some of you are thinking, what, Evan, how is that fun? Well, you have to make personal finance fun. Whatever you think is fun as it relates to personal finance, then you have to do. Why? Because you're going to train yourself to continue to do these things. Like what I do is I get up early on Sunday. I think about the money. I think about you. I think about my episode. I think about what I want to share with you. If you guys are morning people, then you can do the same. Get up early. Think about your money once a week. Put it away. Move on. Or if you're a night person, do that for a couple hours, think about your money, look at the numbers, and move on. So what I wanted to do today, and it's an interesting conversation because this really is a very unique year where, as I said earlier in this episode, we don't know where these markets are going. We don't know. Biden is saying that we're not really in a recession where, of course, as you'll see, other people think that we are <clears throat> based on the fact that we've had two quarters of you know, these numbers that are indicating that we are in a recession. And I, I just want to, you know, begin this portion of the episode and say, as I always do, as you guys know, that your number one wealth building tool in your 40s and your 50s and your 30s, and, you know, whenever you wake up and look in the mirror and say, I want to do better with money, the number one wealth building tool for you is what? It starts with the letter I. It's your income. You have to always know 
that that is your main goal is to get your income as high as it can possibly be. You need to find a company that will pay you what you are worth and that will treat you well going forward as long as you treat them well at the same time. It's the value journey. They are getting a lot of work out of you, but if you position yourself and you cultivate the environment that I talk about all the time, that your income's primary purpose is to fund, F-U-N-D, your future. You're saving and you're investing. Look at it that way. The secondary purpose of your income that you have today from a job is to do what? Pay your expenses. And that's it. If you don't have that paradigm shift and think about your income coming in, either from a job or from entrepreneurial type things that you may be involved in, I'm not good at stuff like that. I took the route of a company that treated me well over time. I've been there almost 25 years. Not many people can say that. I know. Some people have to jump jobs and that's great too. But income is your number one tool that you need to cultivate. You need to do what you need to do to get the income to where it needs to be so you can create your own financial journey. And so I say that because it's so important. It doesn't matter sometimes what investments you put your money into as long as it's S&P 500 funds, stocks, mutual funds, and bonds. It's, it's more about your behaviors, as you guys know, and keeping your income up. So you've got to have that. You've got to have that income coming in. Now, as I look at my, you know, the reason why I said that is because over time you have to have that. Otherwise, you're not going to be able to get to where you want to be, as I say all the time. Now, this is the first year where I'm looking at things like the income. And if we're going into recession, I think I'm positioned well, and I would hope that you guys are positioned well at the same time that, you know, if you're going to lose your job, then find a new one. I've talked about that before. Sorry, I know I'm rambling here just a little bit to get my thoughts in order here. Um, but I wanted to share with you that, you know, at the beginning of this calendar year, if you go back to one of my episodes, I don't know which one it is, but at the beginning of my calendar year, when I looked at all of my money, and you have to remember, for those of you that have been with me for a while, um, most of my money is with Vanguard. I have a target fund in my my 401k, a target retirement fund of 2025, I believe it is. So it is properly allocated um, to stocks and bonds, and so it's well diversified. Then I have, as you know, Vanguard is managing my Roth IRA, as well as my taxable account. Um and then I have this cash bucket on the side, right? So in the beginning of this year, 2022, you may remember I had $1,151,707. That's what I began the year because I always record in my planner, as you know, that beginning calendar year balance. And then I start thinking and, you know, doing my mid-year reviews. And at the end of the year, I go back and I, you know, reverse engineer. When I'm looking at my planner, like I do for every year, I always forecast about a 6% annual rate of return because that's what it could be over time. But we have to consider the fact that there are downtimes like this year. And um, 2018, remember, was a very flat year. 
So I was thinking I would end this calendar year by adding 65000 of interest, perhaps, and dividends and things like that. Wait a minute, Evan, you made a mistake. I'm editing the episode. So sorry, everybody. What I meant to say was that 65000 remember, is what I'm putting into my savings and investing. When you look at all of your money and you're breaking it down, including the matches that go into your investments, that bigger picture perspective of your total income, including the matches that I've shared with you, $65,000 is my money going in to either savings or investing. So when I was forecasting my what I'm putting in, which is the 65,000, albeit that this year, a lot of that is cash, as you know, the total dollar amount that I'm putting in to either savings and investing is the 65,000. Then I was averaging, or I was thinking maybe we would get a 6% annual rate of return for this year, which would bump me up to about the 1.3 million. Anyway, sorry about the mistake. So back to the show. Maybe I would end the year of like 1.285. And that is where I kind of want to be about 1.3 million if I quit my job. Remember I said that year, not years ago. Yeah, it was years ago in 2020 when my build a budget episode, I think I mentioned it there. And, you know, I I always wanted to get to maybe 1.3. Now, why did I want to get to 1.3? Well, because I know I can live on about 40,000 a year. Remember my episodes where I talk about the fact that I could even live on 32,000 a year. So bump it up to 40, that's a lot of extra money there to fund healthcare if I quit before age 65. You remember all that. So I always thought that the 300,000 extra, like if you have your million, the 4% withdrawal rate is the 40,000, 300,000 over here, like as a buffer. I always thought, yeah, that would probably where I would want to be. And I still think that, which is why I may extend working for a few more years and ride out this recession that could be coming, we're not sure. Um, And then just feel a little bit more comfortable when the market then starts again on a bull market where it starts to rise, where I know I'm gonna be spending from the increases throughout the year rather than using the cash on the side. You know that, everything I've talked about before. So yeah, this is an interesting year because when I started with the one one five one seven oh seven. When I look at all of my money now, again, which is my 401k, my Roth, my HSA, the cash portion of the HSA, the health savings account, my alley savings account, everything, right? Looking at all of it. Did I miss something? Maybe. (laughs) Um, When I look at all of that, now it's at $1,062,682,988. So I've lost only about 89,000. I'm only 89 or 90,000 down. And I'm not sure if that's including the little rally that we had just recently. But anyway, I don't think that's that bad based on the fact that you guys know my asset allocation is 60% stocks, 40% bonds, approximately. And I say approximately because That's one thing I'm looking at and want to talk to my advisor about tomorrow is that, you know, knowing that my money has gone down is very, very true so far this year. It may be that it's not as down as much because we're, we're, um, 
that that one the money that I have that numbers is also including the money I'm stockpiling into cash to offset the down of the market. So when I look at these numbers, if you will, the I'm only at 56% stocks right now and 46% bonds in cash. Okay, wait a minute, Evan. I have to interrupt one more time. I am so sorry, everybody listening to my episode. Evan cannot add today because under no circumstances and on no planet does 56 plus 46 equal 100%. He meant to say 44% bonds. That would make sense. So the differential is a 4%. The other thing I want to say, and you're going to hear me say the mistake one more time, so please put up with Evan. Um, The fact that I have so much in cash is offsetting number-wise what I just shared with you, the 1.1 million and all, you know, those numbers. So it's that I have to take that cash and put it into the appropriate buckets. The numbers stay the same for now, if that makes sense. But you're putting that and you're reallocating into the appropriate buckets to bring my... um, my asset allocation back to 60-40 because the numbers are higher because I have more in cash, right? Does that make sense? I probably, the differential in the numbers is about 88,000, but I've lost more than that in the market because it's so down. The reason why that number is not as high of a loss is because I have a lot in cash that I'm going to reallocate and put it into the stock portion. Okay, so let's move on and try to get to the end of this episode. Let me repeat that. I've always wanted to be 60-40, which is where my Vanguard people are keeping my Roth IRA and my taxable account because they're managing that. Like they'll send me quarterly reviews and say, we reallocate a little bit to get you back to your target asset allocation. But they're only looking at the Roth and the taxable account. I'm looking at a bigger picture of all of the money, which I do have, as you know, inputted into my Vanguard so I can see it as a big picture. You probably want to do that so you can look at those numbers. And I can also do some forecasting of move the portfolio watch, I think they call it, and move some allocations around. So I'm I'm struggling right now with talk. I want to talk to my advisor tomorrow. It's like right now I'm 56% stocks, 46% bonds and cash. I'm too much in bonds and cash, I think. And I need to build, you know, build, bring my 56% stock bucket to 60%. So bring that up by 4%, which means moving some of the cash into the stocks that I talked about in the first part of this episode, which could include the Roth IRA, as well as um, maybe doing the the I-bonds that I talked about. Oh, wait, that, that would be bonds, so that doesn't make sense. Anyway, I'd have to figure that out to get back to my 60-40. So, you know, that's that's not a bad thing. These are easy things. As you build your wealth and you move forward, When I as I think about wrapping up today's episode, is... I want you guys to know that if you're broke at 40, you're still building your wealth, keep it super simple. As I always say, keep it simple, save, keep it simple, saver (laughs) as you move forward. And just remember, it's your behaviors that are so important. Continue to dollar cost average into the market, as I said before in this episode, and you'll cultivate a position for yourself in the future where I think I'm at now and where you may want to get to if you are broke at 40 and where I was for so many years and I would listen to other people that got to where I am now, you just have to do 
the behaviors, continue to dollar cost average in, but you'll get to this point where there are so many options. That's what you want. You've got to get to a point where you position yourself to where you do have these options. It feels so good to know that in your financial journey, you have a choice. So these are good things to have or good problems, I guess we could say, to have. Me making these little decisions in my asset allocation is so much better than if over these past 15 years, I kept spending every penny that I had. If you're listening to this podcast right now, just to close up this episode, and you are struggling with money like I was, you have to have a paradigm shift in your mind. Right now, you need to stop and you just need to say, I'm going to build my budget. I'm going to see how much money I have coming in, how much is going out. Am I surviving? Great. I was there for many years. Are you thriving? Better. You can move the money into where it needs to be. And I'm here to tell you, as you move forward into subsequent years, over time, the money's going to go up, especially now for you guys, if you're starting out and you're building your budget and you're starting to forecast, you know, dollar cost average into the markets. These are good times for you right now. I said that in episode number one. If you go back to my very first episode, you know, I started investing right before the Great Recession. I had $40,000 in my 401k. I saw it go to zero almost, not zero, but close to it because the downward trajectory of the market. But that's when I had the leverage of income that I didn't need to send to expenses that I could start building slowly that wealth into those investments when the market was down. That could be you guys now. If we do go into this recession, the market's down now. So continue to do what you need to do. Invest into your 401k. Do the basics. Keep your behaviors in check. And 10 to 15 years is going to come. And when it comes, you're going to look at that and you're going to say, wow, look what I created. Based on my behaviors, look what I've created. And now I have options. So next week, I'm going to share with you what Vanguard said to me, but I'm going to leave you guys like I always leave you. I want you to make it your mission to walk with me to wealth. You guys know I appreciate you. More importantly, I believe in you and I congratulate you for every step of the way. I'm Evan Thomas. I'll see you next week on the Broken 40 podcast. Alrighty, that's going to do it for another episode, everybody. Hey, I've got a favor. If you've got a friend that's struggling financially at any age, please share this episode with them. Let them know that I went from broke to a million dollar net worth in just about 14 years. And if I can do it, anybody can. And if you're on Apple Podcasts, please give us a five-star review. We would really appreciate it. What do I always say? It's okay to be broke at 40. It really is, but not at 50 or 55 now that you found us. You can change your financial destiny. I'm Evan Thomas, and this is the Broke at 40 podcast.